Hello and welcome to Stump Death and Taxes. This is Meep, aka Mary Pat Campbell, and today I'm doing an episode I'm calling Don't Sell Insurance to the Mafia. This is because in the news recently, like very recently, they have been finding, well, skeletons, skeletal remains in Lake Mead, which is on the border between Arizona and Nevada near Las Vegas, evidently. Um, and no, it's not people who had drowned in Lake Mead. Evidently, one of the skeletons found was in a metal barrel. So there's that. Now, you know, that probably wasn't involved in a life insurance scam. But also, I had recently read an item at Astral Codex 10, which is Scott Alexander's Substack, sorry, Substack. And it started with a, an exchange between two fictional characters. It's like, uh, you hear I quit my job at Google and founded a fintech startup. No, what do you do? War insurance. War insurance? Yeah, we pay out if there's a war. Isn't that massively correlated risk? Yeah, the idea is we sell war insurance to companies who do badly if there's a war, tourist attractions and the like. Then we sell the same amount of peace insurance to military contractors. As long as we get the probabilities and costs right, we make the same profit either way. Neat idea. How How's it going? Great. Ayatollah Khomeini just bought a $10 billion policy of the war version or the peace version. Can't say confidentiality agreement. So today's episode is actually about insurance fraud and specifically life insurance fraud. Now, most people, if I say insurance fraud, they may be thinking of something that is akin to the insurance fraud that occurs in Terry Pratchett's Color of Magic, in which Two Flower, who is a tourist visiting Ankh-Morpork, and he is from the, what is it, counterweight continent, I believe, and He's explaining the concept of insurance to a bar owner and sells a policy to the bar owner. Now, Two Flower is just a very unwise character, very naive, but also very lucky or unlucky. He gets paired with Rincewind, and in any case, the bar owner does the classic insurance scam of burning down your own not very successful business to collect on insurance. And when you think of insurance fraud, most people do think of something that is what we would call property and casualty insurance, because the kinds of things that you do to uh, get insurance fraud on P and C is, you know, fake a claim, exaggerate a claim, that kind of thing. And of course, insurance companies know about that. That's why they have claims adjusters, claims investigators, and a whole claims function, which is very expensive. So for life insurance, of course, you know, we know everyone's going to die. It's just a matter of when. So what would life insurance fraud be? And it can take a variety of forms, and it does occur but it tends to be a lot more 
mm, evil in terms of insurance fraud. And of course, insurance fraud is a criminal of whatever kinds of insurance, but it tends to be very criminal in terms of life insurance fraud because often it involves murder. So let me address the kinds of insurance fraud that isn't murder first. And the kind of an insurance fraud that isn't murder is to lie on your application. So the the concept is, and the, the idea is that you would make money if you get charged less premium than your actual mortality risk would dictate, okay? So um, the quintessential one would be to claim you're not a smoker when you actually do smoke. There are ways of detecting this, and obviously we have to get some fluids out of you to figure out whether you're a smoker or not, and there are tests to find that out. There are similar kinds of tests for other statuses, such as being HIV positive and other things that have an impact on your mortality, such as whether you're diabetic or you have heart disease or other issues. If I remember correctly, and I mean, I was a kid at the time. Um, my father got a life insurance policy not too soon before he died of a heart attack and he was age 38. So the concept is if you know you're going to die and you get a life insurance policy and, you know, don't pay basically what your mortality risk is. And if you know you're going to die in short order, it doesn't matter whether it's term or permanent insurance, basically you're uninsurable. Um, the, the insurance companies will rescind the policy. There's something called an exclusion um, period. And it can be one to two years. If they find out that you had lied on your application, they can rescind the policy. And this is even if you had died, um, they will return the premiums and maybe there will be a charge of some kind of administrative fee and say, well, no, you lied on the application. Tough to be, you know, sucks to be you uh, or your beneficiaries as the case may be. And the, there's a, a variety of things that can disqualify paying out the death benefit. People have asked, yes, suicide during the exclusion period would qualify. There are other causes of death. One of the causes of death is act of war. And I think nuclear causes is another thing that is usually excluded in life insurance policies. Now, in general, life insurers are not going to not pay. It's bad PR, but, you know, um, they can't just pay if someone is defrauding them. Um, it's not going to last. So in general, dead is dead and you will get the payout. Uh, past the exclusion period, it really takes a lot for the insurance company not to pay the death benefit. And the one thing, of course, is murder. Um, now, they will pay the death benefit, but they will not pay it to the murderer. They will put money in escrow and that will wait until, you know, murder trial or whatever is up before it gets paid to whoever. The state is not interested in having murderers getting paid off for life insurance proceeds. So the big life insurance, and it's not really fraud. I, I don't know how to call it. It's not fraud per se. Um, 
but we'll call it life insurance fraud because that's generally how we categorize it. And it has happened. Um, the One of the most infamous cases, and I, I don't know, or I should say, I don't remember if I told the story in my review of the book, The Poisoner's Handbook. This is Mike Malloy, and this is in New York City. This was an alcoholic that these men tried to kill. Um, so it was, you know, a group of six men. So Mike Malloy is one of the men and they got a life insurance policy on him. And they're just going like, you know, this guy is a wreck. We can kill him, make it look like it's an accident because he's a total screw up. So first off, I would want to know how he got a life insurance policy even back in 1933 but they tried to poison him with you know like wood alcohol antifreeze all i mean he had an iron stomach or he puked it up or something they did finally kill him with carbon monoxide uh that said they were captured and they were executed for his murder there have been other infamous murders. There were these two old ladies, I think in Los Angeles, they had gotten two homeless men. And I don't, I think the ladies were in cahoots and they got dozens of life insurance policies of fairly low face value from different insurance companies on the two homeless men. Now they weren't related to the homeless men and then they basically ran over the homeless men with their cars and did a hit and run. The way they were captured, if I remember correctly, um, it took some years, but they were captured of the investigators on that these homeless men were run over, um, compared notes. And part of it was, I mean, for these women to collect on the life insurance, you know, you need the death certificate. You need proof of death to the life insurance companies. And, you know, they had to collect the bodies and they weren't related. So that was part of it. So this is, you know, it's tough. It's tough out there for a murderer. Um, yeah, it's the really tough ones are the people who try to fake their deaths. And that is difficult ones. The one I, I see one right in front of me. I, of course, I'm searching online, Molly and Clayton Daniels. Um, so for faking the death, you need to have an accomplice for this because you need to have a beneficiary who is going to collect the life insurance proceeds who will then meet up with you while you are pretending to be somebody else. And then you have to have a way to claim the death. And are you going to have a body or whatever? So in the case of the Daniels, uh, this was supposedly a fatal car accident. Well, they found a body, but it was a woman and they there's DNA testing. Now this was in 2004. So that's a big problem. So you can't get away with just a dead body because it's not going to be the right person. You're not going to have DNA testing. Uh, maybe only it will work if you have an identical twin. Fine. Um, so I have seen one where somebody tried to fake their death by drowning. So there's no body, but then you're going to have to wait some years if there's no body for, um, presumptive death uh 
you know, I don't remember the laws. So this is not something that came up too often when I worked in life reinsurance because uh, we did have to investigate claims. Now, now, it usually wasn't for fraud like this, definitely not for murder. It is high, it's difficult to hide that somebody was murdered. That's to begin with. Um, that was the issue with Mike Malloy is they were trying to kill him so that it wasn't obvious that he was murdered. Uh, when you murder somebody for life insurance proceeds, you have to hide that they were murdered. Otherwise, yes, the life insurance company is going to report it to, I mean, the, the state is going to get involved. There's going to be a criminal justice investigation. The life insurance company is not going to be able to pay until the investigation is over. So you're not going to get any money. Um, so it has to kind of not be suspected that the person was murdered. Um, Yes. And, you know, please don't get to me like, oh, yeah, I know there, there's ways out of it, but this is not a way to make money, guys. Okay. There's easier ways to make money than murdering people, I am sure. Um, you know, go work at Walmart or something. It's it's a lot easier. Uh, it's, it's difficult to do these things. Um, it's very difficult to hide bodies. And for life insurance, you, you can't hide the body. I mean, so for Lake Mead, the bodies are coming back up. Uh, for life insurance, you actually do have to provide the bodies. You have to provide the death certificates before they're going to give you money. You can't just say, I promise the person is dead. Um, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Um, yeah, so life insurance fraud. If you're going to do insurance fraud, I, I recommend not doing life insurance fraud. <laughs> it's difficult. All insurance fraud is difficult. I, if, if you really have the brain power to get away with insurance fraud, you can make money legitimately. You know that. Come on. Um, everybody knows that. So this is just ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I know. It, it's just, this is why you, for smart criminals, most of the time you have to go to fiction um, for the good stuff. And, and this is not for this episode, but for a later episode where the real money is, is not in the trying to defraud insurance companies. It's to have totally fraudulent insurance companies, um, though that's difficult to get away with now as well. So that's for a later time. So do not sell insurance to the mafia, though they are not big on um, bringing, <laughs> they're more on hiding the bodies, not, you know, showing the bodies. So they're not going to get paid anyway. Okay, this is, this has been Stomp, Death and Taxes. See y'all later.